Hi, this is Matt Kempel, co-owner of Milwaukee's premier live comedy spot, The Laughing Tap, and founder of the Milwaukee Comedy Festival. I hope everyone is ready for a great show tonight. Make sure you have turned off your electronic devices and keep talking to others in your group to a minimum. With that, I'd like to bring on tonight's headliners, Jim Martin and Chris Beyer. It's season six of the Bait and Switch podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch podcast. My name is Jim Martin. As always, with my co-host, Chris Beyer. Hello, Jim. How's it going, Chris? Doing all, doing all right. Good, good. I mean, we've been talking for 10 minutes, and you're talking like we just met. But well, These people don't know that. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I'm doing fine. That's all right. Good, good, good. You excited about tonight's guest? Yes, I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am. Me he's too. sitting over here. We're talking to him. We've got some common connections. Yep, yeah. yep, definitely. Tulsa yeah, he's a, uh, right, Tosa guy, kind of a, his his establishment is kind of a, a staple in the Wauwatosa community, I think. You mm-hmm. know, I think anybody who's who's listening from the area will know this is, his name is Chris Leffler. He owns Lefts and uh, sort of, I would say downtown Wauwatosa, but the Wauwatosa village area, 70, what, second in state? Correct. Right there, yeah. So welcome, Chris. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Is it Lefts or Lefts Lucky Town? Lefts Lucky Town. Two oh. words. Oh, two words. Okay. Well, three words. Lefts and then Lucky Town. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Named after a Bruce Springsteen song. Okay. Which is what? Lefts Lucky Town? Or? No, Lucky Town. <laughs> okay. Google it. Nice. I told Jim, yeah. let's start from the beginning. Yeah. What was on that corner uh, before you guys were there? I forget. There's two buildings that are really, we well, three <clears throat> buildings that we own there that have been combined over the years, the first building is the taller building, which is a three or four story building. There's an attic, an apartment, and then underneath it is the barber shop or salon that's there now, Platinum. Right. Used to be Niso's barber shop. Behind Niso's barber shop was an apartment, which is now my office, and there's a basement, so it's four stories. That building was built in about 1890, and then in 1910-ish. He's really going back um, really to, going the back to the beginning. Right, right. Yeah. I said just before yeah. he came there, but we're going yeah, back. Yeah, that's good. Let's start from history. 1910, that the, where the actual original bar, long, thin bar, was built actually as a movie theater before there was sound. And if you can picture really? watching uh, the Little Rascals spanking our gang, sitting on um, just like folding chairs with a screen... Um, that's what it was like back in 1910 through the to to about 1920 somewhere in there. Okay. And then in the 20s during prohibition it was a shoe store in front and a speakeasy in back. Okay. And ever since then it's been a, a bar. Um, it's okay. been Bessie's for a long time it was Swi- Cut Swiddles. Um, Swiddles had another bar down the road but Cut Swiddles um, Annie Swiddle ran the place and um Leased out the barber shop to Niso Mistriati. Niso then um, eventually took over the bar and uh, ran it right into the ground. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is sound like uh, the usual suspects. Cut, swiddle, Niso. No, you know, right, these are right. all uh, Mr. Yellow, <laughs> right, Mr. Pink. Right. <laughs> So it's it's been a it's been a bar or thereabouts for many years, and the name of it before you took over was what? Nicky's. Nicky's. So that was Niso's son. We took over in 1994. Some high school friends were playing softball across the street, and one of the friends, uh, Jim Devine, got a sponsorship from from Nicky's 
to uh, to play, and you know, it's hundred eighty five dollars or something like that to sponsor us. And mm-hmm. in exchange, we would come over and spend some money there. And uh, it was pretty much a dump. And the bartender sat there smoking a cigarette. They had three or four beers on tap, and we would order pitchers of beer for our team. And you know, your friend Rick Mongan was on the team at yep. the time, and. Mm-hmm. You go up and order a pitcher of beer, and they'd say, okay, what would you like? Well, how about a Michelob? And he'd tap that tapper and let the Michelob run. And then all of a sudden, and that was if we, you got him off his chair because his feet up were up on the bar. <laughs> and the barrel would spit. Yeah. He's like, ah, oh, we're out of beer. We're out of Michelob. What else would you like? <laughs> well, I, you know, how about, uh, you know, the Blatts then? You know, it was the beer back then. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. He just took the pitcher, moved it over the tap handle, and finished the <laughs> Michelob off with a pitcher of, with with Blatz on top it of it. It was a mixer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, we still had fun. I mean, we were just, you know, we were in our 20s, early 20s, and still had fun doing that, even though you're like, my God, that's ridiculous. And then, you know, he had a little crock pot with hot dogs in water, the straw that broke the camel's back was um, we were watching Tony Smith mm-hmm. play in the NBA Finals. We all played, well, a number of us played high school mm-hmm. basketball with him and um, track and other sports with him, but knew him very well. Here he's playing in the NBA Finals for the Los Angeles Lakers against Michael Jordan and was starting in that game because of some injuries or Mike Magic Johnson was hurt or something. And there's... All of us, 10 of us, sitting around a TV, you know, a 14-inch tube TV, <laughs> watching our friend play in the NBA Finals. I'm like, okay, they can't tap a beer. There's holes in the floor. The chairs don't stand up. They're serving wieners in a in a crock pot. And you can't watch your friend play in the NBA Finals. I'm like, anybody can do this better. Let's do it. <laughs> I think I think this is maybe is it. a half step down from like a Speedway gas station. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, had you run anything like this before, a bar of any type before? No, I worked for Saz's festivals through high school and college. A little bit of experience. Yeah, I would say generally knowing how to cook food and manage some people <clears throat> and where to procure liquor and beer and food from and had some connections through that mm-hmm. but uh you know I, I had a different job out of college i was in sales and marketing for rubbermaid newell company and traveling around the country i had canada was one of my accounts i mean i all of canadian tire and rental depot in canada um you know had a career path going so sales that's another yeah, yeah. thing and mm-hmm. you know just this other opportunity came along but at the bare minimum, he knows how to mop a floor, yep. right? Which they didn't apparently. Mm-hmm. You know how to tap a beer keg and have mm-hmm. it have it ready on tap. You know how to uh, maybe get a, a hot dog roller right. versus a, you know. I mean, those are you know a yeah. bigger TV. I mean, yeah. it's you know <laughs> how hard can it be, it's, right? Well, <laughs> it was just sort of obvious, you know. Yeah. So, well, yeah. you know, not to get too far ahead of myself because this is a question I thought about asking later, but I'll ask it now. When I went to college towns, I went to Madison, and I went to school in, uh, in uh, Quad Cities, and there'd be the new hot bar that the guys would go to and the girls would go to, and then six months later, it'd be a different one, and then eight, eight months later, it'd be a different one. You know, Lefts has had this momentum of being the place to go. 
And restaurants and bars have got that, you know, that cycle of being hot and not so hot. How do you keep things going the way you guys have done it, you know, for all these years to you know, still be the hot place and not, you know, trail off like so many other have? Good question. If you can answer that for me, let me know. No. Um, <laughs> You've done it. Let me just start with yeah, that. Right, You've yeah. done it. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, a couple things have been on our side. One is that really the building was in such disrepair that it needed upgrades and changes. And I think for any restaurant, and I have two other restaurants, that you just need to do some changes every couple years, refresh the business a little bit. And that could be physically within the, the restaurant or bar or its menu or its staff, even just uniforms. Right. You just need to refresh some things. I think the other part of it is, is keeping up with the times. It's been difficult lately, uh, especially post-COVID, right. mm-hmm. different things that have happened. But um, I think just trying to stay relevant with different specials, create holidays, as I always say, um, around the season or something different that's happening or whether it's the Bucks going to the NBA Finals or Groundhog's Day. Let's create something fun. Yeah, Yeah. Mardi Gras today. Right, right. Yeah, Yeah, March Madness. mm -hmm. Right, yeah, Yeah, and that was, I had kind of a similar question, but I was thinking about how do you, what do you do for marketing to keep this, you know, so, I guess, fresh, I guess that would be the thing. And, And then, so the, hearing that you come from a marketing background, it makes sense to me because you're here about your place all the time. It's on the radio. You know, you guys, you guys got uh, the bus to go into the Brewer games, right? I mean, just everything, you know, it seems like a lot of sports related stuff, the Bucks. I mean, it's easy, easy here, I think, right? Bucks and Brewers, Admirals, that kind of thing. But is there anything else special that you guys do marketing wise just to make sure people know you're still around? You know, I think the sports part of it comes naturally. I think that's, that's just how I grew up. The, you know, being involved with athletics and friends in athletics. But I really see that trend fading away. You don't have the teams that play softball or volleyball or kickball or soccer together anymore. It's just it's a whole different ball game right now. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think there's still plenty of Brewer fans and Packer fans? And right. tonight Marquette's playing Creighton. It's, you know, it'll be yeah. a good night for us. You know, you just – you, but you have to tweak these people. You have to remind them a little bit about yep. those events. Right. And uh, But I think really staying relevant more than anything else, and one of our philosophies has always been, um, and we have, you know, I have three restaurants, one in Delafield, one in Anomaly Falls, is staying relevant within those communities. Mm-hmm. And it kills two birds with one stone. It It gives back to the community that provides for you. But it also provides great exposure for your business. And, you know, when you talk about marketing, you want to start within the four walls of your business, whether it's table tents or posters or signage or getting your staff to talk about what's going on or what's on your menu. And then, you know, what happens within a couple blocks of your business. And that goes to what we do with Tosa Tonight or Tosa Fest or um, um, the Toad Bike Ride mm-hmm. or what goes on within a mile of your place and then five miles and then maybe 10 miles. You know, the people talk about, why don't you do more radio advertising? Well, I don't know that I need to advertise to people in Sheboygan or Racine. I, you know, stay stay in your neighborhood. And while Watosa has been great because it's a tight community and we've always been able to, to build that bond in Tosa and be recognized that way. And we have some other great places in Wauwatosa. We're not the only place, but 
Um, I hope that people recognize us and want to support us because of what we do in the community as much as um, our customer service and our product. Sure. You know, sure. I, uh, I'm about a mile and a half away from your, in my office, about a mile and a half away from your uh, establishment. I'm just wondering how many more years before you acquire my building because you keep acquiring <laughs> next door buildings. That the, the left's empire has grown from this building that we talked about at the beginning to take more and more buildings. As I thought we were here to talk about you buying my building. <laughs> I just assumed that you're marching this way. You know, that that uh, if this is a game of risk, you know that yeah, right. uh, that I'm I'm in Australia right here on the right. other side of the world. But you're coming for me at some point. Keep buying neighboring properties and expanding that. Um, yeah, we've bought two properties over the 29 years we've been in business. No. So it's not like a lot. But, okay. Um, <laughs> but it does seem to keep moving different directions. Well, I mean, it was a game changer in 2007. So, I mean, we opened up in 94. And for 13 years, we operated as one long, skinny bar. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, 1,800 square feet. It wasn't huge. Right. We had a kitchen that was a... Seven foot hood with a three foot grill and two small tabletop fryers in there for a number of years, and it was successful. Yeah, um, it was a game changer in 2007 or 2008 when um, Steve from Ranky's next door, the gas station, yeah. had some issues and tragically with some family and his wife's health issues, um, was going to shut down the business, and we were able to purchase that property and expand to the east and um, probably more than just the expansion itself was the addition of El Fresco or outdoor dining mm-hmm. that we added to that patio. And that really was a game changer for us. Right. So, and, and then, yeah, and okay. then this in, I mean, we tried for probably four years to get the approvals to buy the building to our north, mm-hmm. which was the Unity building, or it's not much of a property, but it, it helped us expand. We tried for four years. We were in a flood zone, and there's all kinds of issues that were finally got passed. Thank God to Tom Olenicek at Harvard Engineering. He really was the genius behind getting past the floodplain issue to allow us to purchase that building and do the expansion. And um, putting that expansion on, um, adding a kitchen, um, a banquet or event space is really making a difference to us. Um, what the other part that helped us out, ironically, was during COVID, um, the city was gracious enough to allow restaurants and uh, to put seating pretty much wherever you could find space. Right. Mm-hmm. You had to. Um, we had to submit a plan. And it was just basically on a piece of loose leaf paper of mm-hmm. where we were going to put seats. Some restaurants proposed in the street, but that all had to be approved by the city. Sure. But it was a lot of public right away, so sidewalks and um, on our lawn in front of our place. And then after that year, it was successful, and we loved having all that extra seating. We were able to handle the volume of it, and uh, was able to convince the city to eliminate the grass, which just all get ruined every year anyways, mm-hmm. and putting more patio seats out there. So add another nine tables out there. So nice. You mentioned uh, the floodplain. Tosa, the village, has been shaped over the last 20 years by flooding, right? They took on a bunch of things, a bunch of houses there across the railroad tracks. And uh, and so the, the shape of the village has kind of changed because some of the 100-year floods that came through there. 
Have you ever had a problem with a flood? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, so 97 and 98 were the two big 100-year floods back-to-back. The first year in 97, we did get some water in our basement, but it was the sewer that backed up. And we, we got a couple inches. You know, we lost a box of toilet paper or paper towel or something. Mm-hmm. We pretty right. much had everything off the ground, so it was not a big deal. Yeah. And I, I guess that that's that was the frustrating part for me, being in the flood zone and the sewage district or the DNR or MMSD, whatever it is, uh, mandating that I continue to pay um, federal flood insurance mm-hmm. to the tune of, you know, it went from 6000 to 9000 to 13000 to fifteen thousand dollars a year and i got a couple inches of water in the basement and lost a bottle a box of toilet paper and paper towel i mean are you kidding me why am i paying this yeah but it was you know it's law you had to pay it when you and that was also they wouldn't allow us to do the expansion because we're in a flood zone yeah when you lost those uh, napkins did you call fema no just no you should have (laughs) write them out use them you're paying, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you're paying all that money. You yeah. might as well get them on the horn. Uh, you were talking about expanding into the uh, that uh, gas station area there. One thing I noticed is um, I've noticed a couple of things with your restaurant specifically or your, your bar there that were like, oh, look at that. Look at how they've adapted to the times. And the first thing that I remember is when they outlawed smoking inside, right? Then all of a sudden I see this patio outside, this outdoor patio, but it's got a cover. It's got <laughs> heaters and everything. And like – People, you know, it's perfect. People can go out there and smoke. I was like, look at this. You know, Chris found a way to, to figure that out. The next thing was recently, obviously, with COVID, where, like, you guys had delivery, and you just come around the side door, just pull up on 72nd Street. Somebody comes out to your car, hands you food. It was great. I mean, it obviously wasn't great for you guys. You'd much rather have the other business. But, I mean, in terms of, of you know, what can you do with what you're, you know, the, the hand you're given, I mean, I thought it was great. With any business you're looking at, adaptive reuse, adaptive staying with the culture's change of times when, you know, I mean, you may look at during COVID, we were, you know, we had a drive through and it was great, but we went probably through seven different business plans sure. during yeah. COVID to finally get something right. It was great that the community really stepped up and, and supported us during that time. But I don't know, I, I sometimes I think we did more damage to our business trying to do the carryout at that time than we did. I mean, it, there were some you know, you remember March, we closed the day before St. Patrick's Day, mm-hmm. the biggest day of the year. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, you sit around January and February twiddling your thumb, just trying to keep your business alive mm-hmm. and wait for St. Patrick's Day, March Madness, right. yep. Brewers opening day, spring, summer, outdoor seating, yep. softball season, volleyball season. And to close down right before um, St. Patrick's Day was, oh my God, that was painful. Yeah. yeah. But, anyways. Um, you know, making these adjustments. And then, so shortly after that, it was Lent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we decided we're going to do carry out fish fries. Right. And the communities came out in droves to yeah. support us. And we got our butts kicked. Can you say ass kicked on this podcast? I think ass yeah. is probably yeah, okay. We, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got, in, in the sense that you were too busy, you're saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we... Yeah disappointed a lot of people i mean we just didn't know we didn't expect it sure and thank you community for supporting us but i think we ticked off a lot of people too at the same time and it took you know the next week we were ready to go yeah sure and uh but it was it was difficult several different business plans lots of adjustments yeah covid uh 
do you know i mean you're kind of in the the restaurant bar community do you know of other businesses that didn't weather COVID that, you know, you hear about nationwide, a bunch of businesses didn't make it through COVID. You have some friends and colleagues that didn't make it through COVID in terms of business. Yeah. And I still have some that are, I still know plenty that are still struggling and it's more labor related. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's, I can't put my finger on why that hurt the labor market and why it's so competitive. And it is extremely competitive. And the the cost of business right now, labor being the number one thing, is is very difficult. Um, but you know, there's the supply chain and the cost of goods that have just been skyrocketed, and some people haven't been able to make that adjustment or survive. Mm-hmm. Um, thank goodness we've had that business behind us and years of loyalty in our business that we've been able to survive it. But there's plenty of businesses that are very successful restaurants that just have not got back to where they want to be. They're, we're still closed on Tuesday nights right. and Mondays, and yeah. we can't open on this day, and you know we're not right. turning business away. I right. think that this unemployment, uh, this employment problem where there's you know unemployment is so low and it's hard to get help, I think a lot of it might just be a demographic shift. You know, During COVID, a whole bunch of people retired. People went into, uh, into school to be retrained. But I think the baby boomers are starting to retire in mass, and there's just not going to be enough workers. I, I don't really think it's a function so much of the economy, good or bad. I think it's a function of just numbers of labor available. Yeah, I agree. And um, I think that the growth of the Amazons and some of those businesses taking a lot of employees is, is part of it, too. Yeah. Yep. Right, and then you got things like uh, DoorDash and yeah. and Uber and things like that, where people can do things on their own. And, right. Yep, yep. Yep. I'm sure that you've I've heard this in my office and other places that behavior from employees that you wouldn't have tolerated five, ten years ago. Now you have to tolerate it because who says you're going to get somebody to replace this person? The person that doesn't show up, the person that's late, the person you know, you you're much less hesitant maybe to get rid of that person. Because you're not going to get somebody else in the door, potentially. I would say, and I, I, August of 2021, that changed. And I say that because the summer of, of 2021 was really tough. And there were some employees that I wouldn't have hired. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that were working for me. And I just, I not begged them to come back. But, you yeah, okay, well, we're going to turn the other way you're going to be here tomorrow, you know. Um, you didn't show up today, but if you come back tomorrow, we're okay, you know. Right. But I would say August of 2021 is when, and I even told my managers this, I said, we got hand. We got the upper hand now. Is that wait, If is these that guys the, uh... don't show up, they're going to try and come in late. They're going to try and pull the scrap. Get rid of them. Is we'll that find the, someone else. The unemployment benefits went away? Is that Was that August 21st? No, I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know if there was anything outside that other than, we just built up our staff strong enough gotcha. to be able to say, go pound sand. And sense. it was also end of summer where things slowed down a little bit, especially during the week for our business. Weekends pick up. Weekdays, the seven days a week is a little bit slower. Sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, traditionally June, July, August are for sure our busiest months. Right. So. What right. are the names of those other restaurants you got? Uh, so Revere's Well Street Tavern which is in downtown Delafield. We opened up in 2008. Mm -hmm. Well, I shouldn't say we opened it up. We took it over from 
Bob Lang was running. It was just called Well Street Tavern at the time. And uh, we reinvented that restaurant quite a bit. And then um, in 2019, we opened up Hot House Tavern in a former fire station that was built in 1929 in Menominee Falls. And that's Appleton there. I've seen it. Yep. Yep. It's uh, just southeast of Main Street on Appleton Avenue. Right. Kind of by the old, well, it's middle school now, but it was a high school there. Yeah. Right behind us. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Delafield is another, I mean, obviously it's further away, but that's another place that's growing. It is. It's great. And um, it's interesting. Bob Lang, who's a friend of mine, um, built that town and did famously well and obviously didn't do so well with Aaron Hills and and then building the Delafield Hotel. And now um, Diane Hendricks and uh, Rob Gerberts, who works for Diane, is building another building in Delafield right now called the Grain. That's going to be very interesting how that plays out in Delafield. But it's a great area, great downtown. I yep. love it. Yeah. So I'd imagine restaurants and bars are kind of like car dealerships in the sense that you almost want car dealerships next to each other so that people say, let's go to that area and look at cars, right? Because we know the GM's here and Ford's there and we can see them all. And the village has got a reputation now more so than ever for all these restaurants and bars and in some way you probably cheer for your your fellow bars and restaurants because it keeps the area vital and it's not a bad thing to have competition right nearby i'd imagine you know it it yeah i mean probably naive in the business you're always afraid oh man that place is open up they're going to take our business mm-hmm. but it's always the boats have always risen with the, the with the water and it's mm-hmm. it's been successful and it's been great Working with uh, the lowland groups or Bartoladas and, you know, Hector's right across the street from us and, and DeRosa Corporation. Those have been great companies to work with. And, mm-hmm. you know, it goes beyond that from Roaring Fork with Qdoba and, um, you know, Mod Pizza to, you know, uh, just a lot of stuff in the village. It's been, it's been wonderful. And then you combine that with uh, great small retailers that we have from flannel fox to magpie and mm-hmm. um soaps and scents and, and little red store or little red book has been there for years yeah and, right you know right. the great people to work with and to help promote the village and, and do what we've done down there we're a lifelong tosa residence and the village is more vital than it's ever been in our lifetime yeah yeah and i'm proud to say i've been part of that from a business standpoint and I've been the president of the Business Improvement District for I don't know how many years, 20 years, 15 years, something like that. Cool. And you guys got, uh, of course, a lot more housing going up there too, right? With, yeah, uh, that's been fun to watch. Yeah, I know. That's uh, Yeah, how, how do you – my initial thought would be you'd welcome that, right, because more people yeah. and more people walkable area and things like that. But is is that the case? You know, I. it's hard to say how much – They've it's translated into more business. So yeah. Well, Chris, uh, Chris Leffler from Left's Lucky Town. We want to thank you for being here on this half of the interview. We'll take a little bit of a break and we'll come back for the second half. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch Podcast for the conclusion of our interview with the owner of Left's Lucky Town in Wauwatosa, Chris Leffler. (laughs) 
You've made it to the end of another Bait and Switch podcast. Spread the word.